and a one, a two, a one, two, three. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Import This, a podcast for humans. My name is Kenneth Wright, and today I am joined by the wonderful E.W. Durbin III, which is a wonderful name of the Python Software Foundation fame, and also hailing from Cleveland, Ohio, I believe. Uh, at the moment, I'm in Pensacola, Florida, but I do reside in Cleveland, Ohio, most That's of the time. That's where your mailing address is, right? That's correct. That's where your legal address is. <laughs> That was a joke. Oh, well, yeah. I mean, that is where my legal address is, though. I mean, it's no joke. <laughs> uh, so how are you doing? I'm doing very well. I'm sort of currently on a little bit of a road trip, uh, but I'm static in Pensacola and have a nice, uh, relaxing place to be for a little bit before I head to Pi, Texas uh, next week. Are you going to be there? I'm going to be there. Oh, excellent. I will see you there, Kenneth. Awesome. I'm going to try to haul my track, which is difficult at a single track conference. Maybe we can grab coffee or something. That would be great. I would love that. Coffee's on me. Even better. Um, even better. Yeah. Okay. So, um, yeah. So we, I thought we'd get, get together and talk a little bit. Uh, I heard that the Python Software Foundation just made this really cool migration to this really cool uh, tech stack on this really cool infrastructure provider. I thought you could tell us a little bit about it. Um, sure. So a quick intro for myself. Um, I'm Ernest. Uh, I'm the director of infrastructure for the Python Software Foundation. Um, so a lot of people don't uh, quite know exactly what the Python Software Foundation is, or what we do, but uh, we're a nonprofit and uh, we sort of hold the legal rights um, and, and manage um, the legal parts effectively around the Python programming language. Protecting um, the trademarks and the uh, intellectual property. Exactly. And also we manage, you know, the, contrib- the contrib- uh, contributor license agreements and such to make sure that everything's above board so that Python can remain, you know, fully open source um, and, you know, uh, we're a nonprofit, and so our mission is that. Um, but outside of that, we also do a lot of community work. Uh, we put on uh, the PyCon US conference every year, um, and we send grants out to, um, you know, people who are using or teaching uh, Python all around the world. I think a big part of that, too, that when you say infrastructure, it's not always just software. I mean, it's not always just like hardware infrastructure. It's also because there's like PyPI, you know, the Python package index, which obviously is a huge piece of infrastructure. But there's also things like voting. That's a piece of infrastructure that needs to be thought of, thought through and uh, maintained and decided upon by volunteers. But at the same time, it also needs to be uh, executed by a group that's trusted. And the, the PSF is that trusted group. Certainly. So, um, yeah, I mean, you, you, you bring up a great point. Uh, we also provide um, infrastructure for effectively, you know, uh, soft infrastructure, if you will, for um, smaller groups to, you know, operate under our nonprofit status. So I think it's a really good point you bring up. Um, and yeah, so the PSF does tons of stuff. Um, but one of the major focuses for my role is pretty much everything under the Python.org domain. Um, and are, I think it's important to note that you have a new role too. This is like a, you just started, right? Yeah. So I, I started in this role in June of last year, but I've been volunteering on the PSF infrastructure since about 2012, um, maybe a little before that. So you got a, you got an upgrade. <laughs> I, I, I would say, yeah, it's a, effectively my dream job. Uh, I'm so happy for you. Yeah. And I'm um, happy for us because I think you, I think they couldn't have picked someone better for the oh, role. Thank you, Kenneth. Yes. Uh, and Ken, do you want to, just before we get into um, the infrastructure and migration side of things, do you want to talk just a little bit about the nerd uh, cabotage thing? 
Oh, um, sure. I mean, so that 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 is there's a piece of software that was developed um, with funding from Mozilla um, when we were deploying Warehouse, which is PyPI. So PyPI was a very um, you know longstanding code base in the Python community. Um, most people who are familiar with it are familiar with uh, the fact that it changed from looking very very old to very very new about this time last year, um, and so we were able to complete and deploy a full rewrite of PyPI into modern web frameworks um, on modern infrastructure uh, with funding from Mozilla last year. Um, as part of that work, there was um, you know, a need for a flexible way of deploying warehouse that sort of felt and looked like uh, a platform as a service. Um, you know, with automated deployments into Kubernetes and like self-healing and all of that. Um, so during that time, uh, from an infrastructure perspective, we developed Cabotage, which is uh, sort of a, a bolt-on thing to Kubernetes that allows for um, something that sort of looks and feels like Heroku, if you're familiar, um, but runs sort of on vanilla Kubernetes. Yeah, and I just wanted to, to just uh, praise you for building. Uh, did you build it by yourself? Um, mostly, yes. Yeah, so you are responsible for, you know, a one-man operation mostly um, with the help of friends, I'm sure, um, building, uh, successfully building a platform, a, an op, you know, a, in a production platform as a service on Kubernetes. And that's what Kubernetes is, is it provides the primitives for building platforms as a service. But usually that requires enormous engineering teams. So I just want to praise you for that. And I want to uh, just point everybody to the fact that this exists. It's open source. It's not productionized yet in the fact that it's not really ready for the masses to consume because there's no, like, documentation, right? Um, no, there's not much. Um, and sort of the, the, the timeline for the project is it was developed specifically for deploying warehouse. Um, and in the future, um, so I think starting in June or July, I'm going to turn my focus back towards that project a little bit. And we're going to look to begin deploying uh, PSF infrastructure projects more generally into Kubernetes using that tool. Um, yeah. During that time, it'll have to grow um, quite a bit of documentation. It'll have to improve some of the multi-tenant components of the application itself. Um, and I think it'll also be a good time to upgrade it from uh, to a newer version of Kubernetes. So right now it targets um, a, a slightly out-of-date version, um, not, not out of security patch mode or anything, but slightly out-of-date. And so there's a lot of exciting features that have shown up in that project since um, that I'm definitely excited to start using. And just quick, before we move on, I just wanted to wonder, are you using a lot of custom resource definitions in this? No. So it, it actually primarily treats Kubernetes as an API. Um, so the project itself is mostly just executing uh, vanilla Kubernetes API calls in order to create, modify, update, and destroy resources. But, but a custom resource definition is one of those resources, right? Yep, but we're not using any of them at this point. Um, I can cool. see some point. I can see some opportunities for that in the future. Um, you know, there will be a need to. I see. Things. So I didn't mean to interrupt. I'm oh, sorry. Yeah. No, there, there will be a need for things like uh, data stores and external resources that we don't want to run those workloads in Kubernetes, and that will be probably where those show up for the first time. So a CRD is effectively um, an extension. You're extending the API. It's not considered part of the API. Right. And so whenever you're calling out to a third-party service to create or modify something that 
doesn't necessarily live in Kubernetes proper, um, that's a really great place and use case for those um, objects. Gotcha. Okay. Well, I, yeah, you were really helpful when I was trying to write an operator, and uh, I uh, I learned a lot about Kubernetes. I learned I learned I got my uh, I'm trying to think of a non-violent way to describe what happened. But, <laughs> <laughs> but uh, let's just say it was I got beaten up pretty bad. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I'm a really big fan of the project and the tools and sort of the um, specific nature of how that project has been led, um, and I think that it really provides this. I mean, it provides an excellent API, and, and that API, from my background, looks and feels a lot like how I have thought about infrastructure in the past. And so I've been really excited with it, and I'm actually now just thinking about it more, super excited to get back into it. It's um, uh, funny, because I icon. think the opposite about it. I, I feel like yeah, it's all, like you require DOCTL to use it because there's all this YAML um uh, intersection that's happening. Like you have to do YAML math in order to use the API successfully, but it's mostly when dealing with custom resource definitions. Yeah. So, I mean, my, my viewpoint is a little bit differently because, uh, you know, I, I'm not looking, I'm, I'm, I actually don't have almost any YAML, you know, YAML handling. I don't have any YAML handling in cabotage. It's just okay. making raw API calls. And so, I think there's a small misconception around the YAML in uh, Kubernetes. What's actually happening is that kubectl is doing all sorts of crazy backflips to turn those YAML definitions into API calls for you. Um, that includes like detecting when something's a change versus a creation versus an update. And then yeah, yeah. my issue with the API is that if you want to get a full representation of an object, you have to request all the um, every single um, uh, like if it's a, it pretend it's a dictionary, you have to give it all the key names that you want. Yeah, I mean, state's a hell of a drug, right? I mean, you have to you have to be careful in how you expose and, and, and communicate state. And I think that's uh, it, it's it's cumbersome, but I think it's an excellent decision on. It's on... a rigid API, I guess yeah, is what you're saying. Absolutely. Okay. And now, I, so I, I just want to frame. I'll leave the conversation for a moment. Um, I want to frame all of that. And in, in Kubernetes is an excellent tool for getting excellent things done. And Ernest built a great tool that allows you to build a platform as a service on it. It is a tool that I think is like WebSockets, where everyone thinks they need it, but they usually don't. Um, yeah, they they might need it, and if you know, but if you think you need it just because you think it's cool, that you you know, there's other tools that are probably more appropriate for your use case. Uh, if you're unless you're a large engineering team or X Y Z, let's look at something else first because it's probably easier and it's probably the more pragmatic approach. Um, and that's how I feel about WebSockets. Like there's server side events. Uh, usually, people just want to do push notifications. WebSockets are overkill and uh, honestly way too complicated to uh, do just, you know, SSE is better for that. Um, so, but there's reasons for, for using WebSockets anyway, but we'll get into that later. My point <laughs> in saying all this is that there's a use case, there's always a time and place for everything. And uh, so there's a time and place for not using Kubernetes, and there's a time and place for just traditional servers. And uh, the PSF has a lot of traditional servers as well, right? Absolutely. Um, yeah. And so that's sort of one of the things that I think people don't, fully recognizes, you know, we maintain a lot of infrastructure that uh, people don't necessarily sort of think of as being uh, there. Um, you know, python.org, uh, the downloads for python.org, docs.python.org, um, the uh, planet python, if you're familiar, it's like an RSS aggregator. 
Um, we run bugs.python.org. Um, we have uh, speed.python.org that helps people. I want to highlight planet.python.org. Please check that out if you don't know it. Yeah, um, it, it, it's sort of uh, oft under-recognized under, uh, service. Um, yeah, you and get your stuff listed in there if you write a lot of Python content. It'll really help you out. Absolutely, yeah. There's a lot of there's a lot of uh, search engine boosts coming out of that. Yeah, um, yeah. So you know, there's just a, a lot of uh, pretty traditional server use case type things that that, that are hosted by the PSF. And for a long time, um, you know, we relied on uh, an, an, a previous vendor. Um, they actually were very generous for about uh, almost six years in hosting us. But uh, as of March first of this year, um, we've moved pretty much all of that. Um, and that was that, that that work was completed, and actually, I think today is sort of the first and first month anniversary, if you will, um, for that infrastructure being in production on DigitalOcean. Oh well, I'm so happy to hear that. It's not news to me, but I I'm still excited every time you say it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, overall, you know, there's there's you 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 sort of hit the nail on the head when you said that not every workload can be um, sort of shoveled or uh, shoved directly into Kubernetes. Uh, there's some stuff that, you know, needs... Uh, I don't want to interrupt you. I guess no, I have an eloquent thought I'd like to share. Okay. Uh, it's just that, you know, everything is a trade-off. Is a trade-off between efficiency of time and effort. And I, you can always shoehorn everything into Kubernetes if you want, but it's so much easier sometimes to just, you know, spin up a server and run the software the way it was intended to be written in 1999. Yeah, or or, soon, or, or even more recently. So, um, you know, we run mail.python.org there because there's no real solution for SMTP on uh, Kubernetes. Um, there's, you know, just all sorts of uh, places where it, it just fits a lot, fits a lot more efficiently, like you stated, um, to, to use the, you know, a droplet in, in place of uh, a pod. Um, so, yeah, the I think the migration went overall fairly well. Um, there were, I mean, most of the concerns just ended up being in moving stuff, um, and there was some some work. Yeah, did you, did you have a, any uptime? I mean, this is just general migration questions, not DigitalOcean questions. Sure. Did, did you did you did you just move stuff and like have a maintenance window, or what was your strategy? Um, it depended on the use case. Um, so most most of the services uh, don't have a lot of um, user create read update going. Like uh, most of them are uh, hosting something that has changed with some small amount of frequency. Um, like the download server, for instance. You know, the migration was effectively rsync and then DNS, right? Um, so in general, it was just it was just managed by communicating to service owners, hey, let's not ship any changes to the service for a little bit, um, complete any remaining data migration, and then swap DNS. Um, so, so I think I caused a few outages, but nothing that really hurt <laughs> anyone. Yeah, yeah. Uh, in mail, so all of mail is running on Do. Yeah, so actually mail.python.org was our first project to go to DigitalOcean, and that was when the physical server uh, that was hosting it at Excess for All in the Netherlands crashed one weekend and Is didn't that the one out. that used to run PyPI? Uh, that's actually, uh, I can't remember their names anymore. There's Dinsdale, Jimenez, and one other one, but I think Dinsdale ran PyPI in it originally. So okay. Jimenez was just for mail. Back in the day. <laughs> Yeah, there. Uh, so I don't don't disclose this if you don't 
want to, but um, what can I ask what your run run rate was prior and post? Um, actually, I think that uh, the previous vendor, you know, again, it was all donated services in kind. Yeah. Um, but our bills so would have been were likely over provisioned. Yeah. Well, um, no, I think generally we were pretty much one for one when we when we moved, and the uh, the the bills before the discount was applied. I think it was about a sixty percent reduction. Um, excellent, excellent. So DO is sixty percent more cost efficient than your previous vendor. Yeah, and so I, I think that uh, you know that that has a huge benefit because you know not everything's forever, and you know it, it might not be always that we're offered these uh, you know credits and such to run our infrastructure. And so being cost efficient, even though we're on um, in kind donated services, is always something that's sort of front of mind, so that. If, if it ever came down to it, we had to pay for a given service, you know, it's there's not as risk. much. Yeah, there's not as much impact on the bottom line for the PSF. Yeah, I've always had that. When I was on the board, that was one of my big concerns. It was I want us to set aside a runway for running all of our services, uh, if case all the donations went away. Of course, I did the math for PyPI, and it turns out that would be the entire budget if we wanted to do even two months of uh, fastly hosting. <laughs> yeah, PyPI is, is certainly uh, one of the larger risks from a overall you know perspective on this stuff. The backends for PyPI are, are relatively efficient. Yes, so it's yes. Not, it's not as much of a concern. It's just the Fastly. Yeah, CDN is is a pretty is a pretty large concern, but Fastly has been very steadfast since yeah, we're married to them. And if anyone was to, I mean, it would be a gold mine of a sponsorship to hop on if, to save us if if uh, if it was to go away. Yeah, and 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 it, this is one of those things I certainly don't like to dwell on and think about too much. But you know, we we, we are always sort of. Um, Making sure we stay aware of it so that we don't, you know, get. And while, yeah. while we have you, this is just for inf- information for our cu- uh, not our customers, but yeah, they are they are our customers because we work on Python and you especially if they're your customers. Um, just can you spout some uh, off the cuff, just uh, impressive fastly numbers at us? Oh, um, I don't have them super handy and actually everything i'm about to share i think is out of date by some obviously off your brain just the oppressive sounding numbers um no i mean i can give you real numbers but i think they're valid as of uh, a few months back okay um and they are uh so pypi for instance does uh a little over one point or hosts 1.1 or more million releases um, over 160,000 projects and serves more than 2.2 petabytes in 14 billion requests a month. That's all, that's the actual servers. So that's the CDN. Um, the backends okay. the backends do about one percent of that. So if you go to pypi.org and scroll down to the bottom, there's an infrastructure dashboard um, link. Um, infrastructure dashboard. Yep. And that actually. Yep, actually it. Oh, uh, it's in the footer. In one of those columns, but I see a status one. I don't see oh infrastructure dashboard. Okay, yeah, um, and so that actually shows our active requests per minute and requests requests per minute at the edge and requests per second at the back end. So it's cool. still cooking along like around 125 RPS in the back end, but it's not anything um, exceptionally bad. These graphs are beautiful. Did you build this? Uh, so this is based on Datadog. Uh, they're also another uh, sponsor of the PSF via infrastructure donation. So we use you them to work for... for them, right? No, uh, I use I use Uh-oh. I've used Datadog quite a bit. Sorry, a friend of mine that looks like you used to work for them. Okay, okay. Who also is from Ohio? 
I would Do you know his it. name? I, I always forget <laughs> his name. O'Donnell. Um, I don't. I don't off the top of my head. I thought all you Ohioans know each other. Um, Ohio's a relatively large state. Um, I don't think of it that way. <laughs> sure. Um, anyway, but, sorry. Um, this is great. Yeah. Cool. I will probably skip what we just recorded because it wasn't good. Nope. Uh, I'll, I'll just let you talk and finish and then I'll wrap up. Oh, sure. So, yeah, I mean, PyPI is a, a pretty pretty beastly service, but it does, um, you know, it's managed really well. Um, you know, there's a team of volunteers. Um, there's also Donald Stuff and Dustin Ingram who are um, sort of administrators. And then there's Nicole Harris, who's our UX and UI lead. Um, and then there's a team of a uh, uh, number of volunteers who contribute to the project on a regular basis. Uh, we also have funding um, right now that's active from the Open Technology Fund. And that's going to implement two-factor auth and a couple of other security-related oh, features. Um, it's also going to bring some accessibility, internationalization, and localization to PyPI, um, which is really exciting for uh, you know opening the service up to being easier easier to use or usable at all for those who don't use English as a primary language. I want so, you to know that I removed myself from the certify package and from requests because I'm worried about my account, my account getting hacked because uh, I don't, because there's no two-factor auth. That will be changing soon, which is and actually, I'm okay again, with it being SMS, even though I know that's not actually secure because it, of SS7 it, vulnerabilities. It will not be SMS. Uh, SMS right. won't be an option. Uh, I'm, I, I'm, I'm, I know that that's more proper, but it's less convenient. Sure. As long as I can call you to disable it if I ever need. Uh, we, we, we'll talk about the, We're actually trying to figure out this policies right now for account recovery. Okay, um, good, good. Yeah, but overall, the DigitalOcean migration went really well. Uh, we're hosting pretty much everything PS of infrastructure there, save for PyPI, which is over um, on AWS. Um, and then we have a number of services running at Heroku. Um, that anything that fits in Heroku, we're trying to use to run there. And that's sort of as a stepping stone to also being able to host those on Capitage. Um, so the future for the uh, PS infrastructure kind of uh, sort of is heading in the direction of that uh, Kubernetes on Capitage um, uh, soon. And one of the big benefits of that is there are a lot of hosting providers out there that are that are providing better and better um, hosted Kubernetes, including, including DigitalOcean. Yeah. Um, and so the the goal is to sort of uh, remove the concern about you know who's who's donating infrastructure necessarily, um, and just target Kubernetes so that we're not getting um, too uh, you know sort of comfortable, I guess, in any given in any given place. But DigitalOcean has been a wonderful place. Uh, it ma running mail.python.org there. Um, for about two years before moving the rest, you know, really improved uh, how easy and straightforward and, 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 and low stress it was to, to sort of move everything else. That's wonderful. Uh, thank you so much for all the information. And I'm really happy to hear that the migration to DigitalOcean was smooth. And I'm really happy that our, my team is able to support you and the Python Software Foundation and the efforts that we're making in the Python world. And uh, I want to leave the, the uh, audience with a few links. Um, there's do.co slash 42, which you can use to sign up for DigitalOcean. You'll get $100 credit if you create a new account. And it'll uh, 
that will uh, let you spin up uh, up to, uh, let me think here, yeah, Droplet starts at $5 a month, so that'll give you 50 Droplets, so 50 servers to harness at your patrol. There might be some limits in place that prevent you from doing 50 without a credit card, so... Um, you know, don't hold my word to that, but, um, I would be surprised if it just let you spin up 50 without verifying a few things. <laughs> uh, but, uh, there's also an interesting link here. Let me pull up our DevRel manifesto that I just made a few m months ago and it contains the email address where you can sign, where you send us an email, um, to apply for credit for your open source project. I believe it is, um, let, me, let me pull it up here, um, github.com. If you want to check out the repo, I recommend you do. It's github.com slash do-community, I believe, is, is our um, DigitalOcean community one. And then we have in there the DevRel Manifesto, uh, which might get renamed because Manifesto has some negative connotations. Um, but in here, there is a process document where it has all of our inputs and outputs. And uh, for open source sponsorships, email opensource at digitalocean.com. And uh, it says here, open source projects that are intended in having DigitalOcean become a sponsor of their project, either monetarily or via platform credits, are welcome to email us at opensource at digitalocean.com. So do that. And uh, we'll get back to you as soon as possible. And uh, the person who's in charge of that program it has uh, some, uh, it gets a lot of email. So we're, we just hired someone whose full-time job is, not full-time, part-time job, is responding to these emails because we believe in a, a human touch to every email. So we're not automating any of this, which is an easy thing to do. Um, but we're, uh, we're putting the human touch on everything, which is, uh, I'm really glad to work for an organization that does that. So... I'm proud, and I'm proud that we're able to support the Python Software Foundation, and uh, I'm just, it's good all around. So thank you for joining us, Ernest, and uh, I'm really proud of the work that you do, and I'm proud to call you my friend. Excellent, Kenneth. I really appreciate the time, and uh, PSF is always grateful to all of our in-kind uh, sponsors. It makes what we're doing uh, possible. It supports the volunteers in the community, which at the end of the day is uh, part of our mission. Excellent, excellent. Um, Snids, I hope everyone has a great day. And I own, oh, there's this big, ah, I just messed up. There we go.